I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Allianz. Supporting all 32 counties through the Allianz Leagues. A grain of rice. A grain of rice. Want to tip the scale. Just remember that then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now come on, Mayo, you got to get Andy Murad into the game. Uh, proud sponsors of the GAA. Um, we're here to look ahead to the National League that's kicking off this weekend. All four divisions. We've got Tony McEntee, Tony Lean and Colm O'Neill. I'm Mike Quirk. Uh, I think before we get there, lads, I suppose we want to just have a look at these new kind of rules that are after being thrown at us and are being modified and changed every so often. And the big one is the is the advanced mark, I suppose, really. Um, Tony, what are you? what's your first take on, on our, our game going a little bit more like Aussie rules football? I suppose my first my first comment on this is that it's a reflection of where the where the GA is at the minute. Like we don't know where we stand. We don't know where we stand. Our rules are changing on a daily basis. The interpretation of the rules are clearly not taught out. Uh, we have, as far as I can see, a leadership deficit here. You know, we absolutely no clarity through club nor county or anything in relation to where our, where our rules are starting here. And the mark is an example of that. So it started off as a simple mark: kick the ball in, you catch it. Now there's confusion over whether the defenders catch it or forwards catch it, the distance involved in it. What happens when you catch it? Do you take your four steps or do you get, what does the defender do? Does he stay off you? Um, I spoke to a man recently from down, admittedly, and he was talking about another Ulster County team, who I'll not name, and their tactic at the minute is when you catch the ball from a mark is to put the arms round you to prevent you raising your hand so you can't take the mark. And now I'm led to believe that you, you, you can wait three seconds or four steps or something else before you can lift your hand. You know, this, this yeah. is a nonsense. Now. Yeah, well, like we, you know, uh, above a leash, obviously, we've had, we've had three or four games with it now, three of the O'Byrne Cup games and then uh, one of the uh, challenge games as well and four different referees and it's been interpreted differently in four, on the four different occasions. And, but the clarification that we've got now is that every time that ball is kicked over 20 metres from outside the 45 and a guy catches it clean inside... Uh, that the whistle is going to sound and the mark is going to be awarded only when he then raises his hand. So if you, you can catch that ball, run your two or three steps and then decide, no, do you know what, I'm going to kick the mark, uh, you can then raise your hand and, and you still get awarded the mark. But there's even a little bit of mud. If you if you catch the ball inside the square, uh, if you catch the ball inside the square now that's been kicked from outside the 45, the whistle will sound. <laughs> you can put up your hand, or uh, before you put up your hand, the, the defender can't touch you for four steps anywhere in the field. So if you win the ball inside the large square, uh, you can run your four steps and the defender is not allowed to touch you. If the defender tackles you inside the four steps, there's a penalty awarded. If the, if the defender knocks the ball, it's a 30-meter free. 
because it's a technical foul as opposed to uh, a personal foul or, or whatever. So it's just going to be, I, I think, the early rounds of the National League. And the National League is one thing, lads, but when this goes down to club your, your club football, and it's I, going I, to be I, some I, crack. You're saying that you've got clarification. What you got is an interpretation from a referee because I'm looking at the rules here in front of me and I got the clarification sent with a GA banner on it and there's no such thing as that. And this was sent to me last night from the county board to all the club uh, people last night. So none of those clarifications are on us. So what you're getting is an interpretation from one of five referees you've now, you've now seen. I just think, just because purely we're having discussion here, like it's going to be next to near impossible for the, the refs to think of all these things. I just hope it's not going to turn into like the Premier League and every after every game is going to be talk. It's going to be like VAR all yeah. over again. Is it going to be every... Nothing's going, nobody's going to be talking about the games. Actually, yeah. what's happening in the game is going to turn into these new rule marks, you know, which is... It's going to be interesting. Um, I just hope it, it won't spoil the game. Yeah, and like I, I read something last week. It was it was the, the numbers they had the statistics from from the National League last year uh, and compared it with the National League from 2017. And and the and the number of of, of kick passes into the 45 was gone up something like 20 uh, percent from the yeah. previous year. Less fist uh, passing, yeah. You know, less fist passing. Number of kick passes increased. The m- number of 50-50 contests. You know, for to to go win a ball had increased. So in one sense, the mark was was successful in incentivizing kick passing back into it. When back in sixteen seventeen, the big problem was we're saying the game is just turning into basketball and it's all hand passing. So no, no, this clarification is kind of mudding the water a little bit. But initially, the mark was probably successful in terms of 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 getting that that ball being kicked back in there again, Colum. Yeah, this when actually the rules came out. When the mark was introduced, I probably wasn't a fan of it, to be honest. Because um, I, I just think from watching, if it's going to be more like the Aussie Rules game, I've watched one or two Aussie Rules game, and it's not very good viewing, to be honest. Um, I just think it's going to slow up the game, um, especially for inside forwards. But, but, uh, but has it been used, Colm? Is, is any county using it presently? I, I was speaking again to more likely the, Ul- the Ulster counties in this case, and the, in the pre-challenge games at the minute, the ones that's been on the past couple of weeks. Uh, one county manager said that he's seen it three times by the opposition and once by him. The mark has happened. So, so is it is it really an issue for us here? Is it something that we really need to get into? Like, is it more smoke and mirrors than anything else? I think so. I, I, no, I think Mike might be best answer this, but I don't know if if I was a manager, I don't know should you be, I don't know should you be building your game plan just around a specific mark. I think you just kind of take it as it comes. I don't know should you be changing your style of play just to suit the mark. To be honest, you're going to be looking at. 25, 40 attacks maybe in a whole game depends on who the opposition is and you're going to be worried about 3 or 4 marks in a whole game when you have 25 or 30 or 40 opportunities elsewhere I think I was at a couple of the pre-season games as well Um, I was at a couple of the McGrath Cup games and it, it was it was you know what you actually forgot about it you actually because it was it wasn't actually activated I mean I think the Conor McManus, as we call it, the Conor McManus role, I think there is a benefit in that. And I think players, Mike, as you said, or teams who actually like to kick the ball 30, 40 yards will get benefit out of that. But that's ball that's going to be gained in the half-forward line, 40 yards from goal. And I think that's fine. Like, the way Mike explained it there, I was lost, Mike. I was lost after yeah. 10 seconds of what you were even saying there. <laughs> you were into phase three there and I had nodded off. I mean, you're kind of saying, how is, like, how is the first... Two or three games the league, I hear what you're saying. But as you said, I don't even want to think of what this means at club level. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be bedlam at club level because 
Så kan vi pandemonium från people in the crowd who think they know the rules, who don't know the rules, kan vi warn into the refs. It's just going to be... Yeah, but, but the problem there is that the GA is not catering for club. So GA is not worried about club. You know, I mean, they're sending in directions. And I'm away from the county at the minute, so I'm obviously involved in the club. And I can see this. Now, Mike, you're, I said this already, you're in a bubble. You don't see anything but the county at the minute. And you can't see anything wrong with the county. But the club football is struggling massively here. And the county boards have been given directions. And the academy coaches have been given directions. And the reality is, is that club football is going to die a death very, very quickly. Yeah, and look, I like, I, I, I can. There's loads of problems, Tony. Like, and we're not going to be solving them on a on a on a Thursday morning. But like, the 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 only thing I will say about the mark, and I and I think we need to like all of these changes. You need to see it in a bit of context now over uh, over a couple of games, and and the first few rounds of the, of the national league will give us a bit of context. I still think the whole reason it was brought in was because the game was becoming. It was overly defensive with a load of bodies and we weren't kick-passing the ball enough. And the first year it was brought in, we saw an increase in the kick-passing in, back into the forwards, which is what, which is what we wanted to see. And, and now this, this clarification is just adding a little bit of muck. Again, you move on to the, to the sin bin, lads. I've, like the sin bin is another one that's going to be very interesting when it gets to club level for referees that don't have a, a watch that's able to put on two ten minutes at the one go. Like the sin bin is actually going to be, I think, a really, really good addition yeah. to the rules from, from what was there as the traditional black card where a guy gets replaced straight away, which is no real penalty. I've seen it already. If you lose a guy here for 10 minutes, it's, it's actually a real penalty for cynical play now, and I think that's going to be a really positive step for, for the National League and for anything below that as well. Right. I'm not so sure. I think it's going to be open to, to abuse as well. Yes, in, yes, the, yes yeah. in the early parts of the game, and yes, but like with five minutes left of a match or anything else, you might as well take a red card as a black card at that stage. You know, you're going to be losing a player. I, 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 think, I think it seems to have worked well in the ladies' football, and introduced well in that I just I'm open to giving it time in, in, in the, in the explain Mac how can it be used cynically explain to me how can a sin win be used cynically by the team losing the man well you but, can waste the time obviously like if, yeah. if, you're, if you're a team after being relegated to 14 bodies you, you have a couple of injuries and you have whatever because that's the problem it's a running clock yes but like if, if, if you still if you're going down to 14 men or you're going down to 13 men it's a lot it's a lot heftier punishment rather than having somebody else to be able to come on straight away it, that, that was no real punishment but Mike you, so if it's a running clock I mean are you saying that the referee has no authority to intervene like after two minutes if suddenly your man is down holding his leg for the next three minutes is that actually five minutes of the sin been done that's five minutes of the sin been done yeah and at the end of full time if you're going to a draw and match and it goes to extra time that black card runs into the sin bin runs into extra time okay. whereas a red card gets replaced in extra time just with the individual or with the 14 in other words the, the individual can't come back on or can come back on the, in, the, the, the Sinbin player the Sinbin player cannot come back on the next time until his clock runs out okay. the next time whereas if you, could, if you take the red card instead of taking a black card then then you replace with 15 feet 15 in the next time Jesus and then back again like that's it's, 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 uh, it's all the well cynicism and, yeah. the cynicism is unbelievable like you know <laughs> Jesus. Like it's it's all well and good talking about in the county but bringing that down to club yeah and, and I'm, yeah. I'm playing with a, a junior club who wouldn't be usually blessed with numbers again like and you're talking about sin, sin, sin bins and using extra players and referees like referee might come on his own he might have no linesman to help him out like yeah. you know it's just going to be yeah. very they're, hard on referees they're moving on there like, and they're going to look at the Merfonia obviously and that's a big issue for them and it's going to be a big issue for you like and I suppose you're the only one that's playing in the county football here managing in the county football so how are you as a manager 
incorporating these rules in the training. Uh, you're incorporating them. You want to have a look at them and see what's happening. But again, it's like Colm said, it's not it's not a big, massive part of, of what you're trying to do. I mean, all, all the basics are, are what you're trying to do. You're trying to get guys fit. You're trying to get them playing to some bit of a... a, a bit of an organization and then you're you're trying to make them aware of the marks and, and the different things but it's not again it's not a focus of your of your training session you know um i think i think as games go on i think the big difference with the mark last year to this year is now that we know it is there in the championship show so your dublins and your Kerrys and your mayos and all the boys that are at the top of the tree will be looking for ways to exploit it and like anything if other teams are seeing the top teams finding ways to you know to really get the most out of it that's going to filter down to your lower divisions in your clubs and everybody else and and again look i i think if we're if we're doing something in the game to try and get teams kicking the ball more into the forwards and to increase the number of kicks and reduce the number of hand passes i'm willing to give it a go and to see how it works out and if after four or five games we're saying this is a disaster it's changing football for the worse then we say okay we, we need to do something now and take action but i don't see the harm in in at least exploring it at the top level and seeing where it goes and how teams can can get value out of it and again like i'm not a big fan of these rules having to be completely blanketed across club level like i'd have no problem if this mark was a part of intercounty football but not a part of club football you know but this idea that it has to be one rule for everybody i i, I would disagree with that totally it's a it's a completely different game and if if you're playing junior football i don't think the same referees have to be you know they're not going to have the same understanding or awareness mm. of the rules and implementing them and, and it's just an awful lot more pressure and hassle for guys who are getting 30 quid for to doing a game at junior level or intermediate or senior club level that they, they don't want, need they won't have the help or support that no. inter-county refs are going to have in league games championship games like so it's going to be it's going to be really unfair and, and there will honest. be mistakes yeah. like there's going to be mistakes with these things and players are going to misinterpret what's going on and referees will make mistakes but I think if you give it four or five rounds of this national league we'll see where it is and after that make a call about whether we need to put pressure on people to scrap them or, or do whatever you know but for now they're there and you're going to just have to get on with it and see where we go I suppose you know mm-hmm. um and like speaking of that National League, lads, I suppose the big one obviously is Saturday night. It'll be interesting to see how many people we get in Croke Park for, for the repeat of last year's two All-Ireland finals, I suppose, to replay and, and the drawing game carry in Dublin. Um, an early season one and I suppose with the way the results went in the Sigerson and stuff, Peter Keane is pretty happy with, with the way things have gone, Colin. But uh, what's your early uh, early thoughts on this one? Yeah, um, I think we'll have to see a lot of players with... Um, the ten, the ten could still be on the bodies, and all the, <laughs> the two sets of groups are not long back from holidays. Uh, it's going to be look. Is obviously the the pick of the t- the pick of the Division One games this weekend. Um, I actually think there's probably more pressure. I think on Dublin, especially the fact that look, it's it's Desi's first game in charge. Um, so I I think if Dublin didn't perform, or let's just say you know it don't happen too often that Dublin didn't have one of their best days, like. And say I lost to Kerry in the first round. I think straight away there's going to be question marks. The whole Jim Gavin thing gone and Desi and losing the first game. I think it's just going to build a bit of pressure. So I'd say in the back of Desi's mind, he's going to be really anxious to, to come out of there with a win um, mm-hmm. the first day out. So I think it's probably just slightly a bit more important for Dublin to win that one. And like they have Kerry, obviously, and then, and then Mayo in the second game. So they've got a couple of big games coming down the track. What about Desi? Um, Tony, like, what's your what's your take on on Desi? Was he was he the natural kind of? Um, first of all, I suppose with Jim gone, w- w- was that something that was? Did we really anticipate Jim was going to go, or, or or how did you see that playing out? So I suppose, listen, Jim did five years, did awful well. There's not much can be said wrong with Jim. Um, 
But when you're there at Atlanta time and you have so much control over a county, you tend to cover up a lot of what goes on. And that's probably what Desi's issue is going to be now, is trying to pick up the slack or the issues that went on ahead with Jim and Mahanam. I, I see this as being completely different for Desi. He's a different manager. He'll have a different way of playing. He'll have a different approach to his backroom team. He'll have a different approach to his players. Um, he will have to move on a few players and keep a few players. He has to make his own decisions. So, um, will it work out for him? Yeah, listen, I hope it does work out for him. He's, he's put a lot of time into football and that. I, I wasn't particularly a fan of him with the GPA, um, but he has done a lot with Dublin on 21s, etc. So, I do wish him well in it. Um, and I think he is enough at his disposal to do well uh, I also think they're going to be Kerry the weekend it's the first game at home Kerry have done probably very little uh, obviously one of the trainers Buckley's been in holidays there for, for his, his uh, normal sabbatical to America for the winter so I'm not quite sure how prepared they'll be coming to Cobart this weekend so I do see a Dublin victory but listen does that mean anything for the year no it doesn't it's only, a, it's only starting so. yeah and, and, and like that I suppose for Desi obviously it's going to be and for the players, will want to give him the best possible start to that because they'll know the kind of pressure he's coming in after a team winning five in a row and different things. But uh, and like you're looking, you're looking for both teams in, in all these early rounds is to see maybe who are the guys that that weren't there last year and and who have they found. And for Dublin, I suppose there's a couple of guys that'll be Desi particularly will be familiar with those those younger guys, those under twenty one generation and. I mean, Cluxton, I suppose everybody in Dublin was delighted about Evan Comerford that, that Cluxton decided to stay on. But, I mean, he's, he's what's this? What's he going into now? What season is this? Something ridiculous. 16th, something. 16th season and, and been at the top of the tree as long as he is. I mean, like, there's a couple of those guys that, that people were waiting to kind of walk away into the sunset after five in a row. But whether it's because of Desi or whatever, because they're in there and they're winning and they're enjoying it, there doesn't seem to be too many of them walking away, Colm. Yeah, um, I think it's a lot of players and managers and teams across the country were maybe hoping that, hoping that Stephen would probably go with Jim just to give him a, a glimmer of hope. But one interesting thing I did here, I know it was it Jack McCaffrey or Johnny Cooper recently. Interestingly, he said, obviously it's going to be new with Desi in there, but he said... Like it'll be actually an early mark disrespect to Jim Gavin if they didn't keep up the standards and not mm. give as much to much to Desi, which was I thought was a mature thing to say, and it got me thinking. Said like these lads are are still clued in, like they see yeah. it as an early a sign of disrespect if if they dropped the standards now just because they have a new manager, you know, and it's something that Jim wouldn't be too happy with either. So I think in a sense they're probably still playing for him as such you know yeah on, I don't I don't see him I don't see him dropping standards too much like that no though. I just wonder Mike as well uh, you know how important do you think the game is for Kerry just in terms of the opposition forget the fact that it's the first league game forget even the fact that it's the All-Ireland champions they're playing it's Dublin the All-Ireland champions they're playing and psychologically what happened last September was I found was very damaging uh, for Kerry, I mean, opportunities were there to win, certainly the first day. Mm -hmm. They didn't take them. If they were to go down on Saturday night, uh, you know, we can attach way too much. Look, at, yeah. let's face it, it's the end of January. Yeah. But at the same time, it'd be a nice, it would be a nice jumping off point for Kerry if they were to go up there and actually win and get a statement win. 
Yeah, and, and and like like every team, they don't have well, they have less done. Dublin and Kerry have less done than everybody else in the mm. country, obviously, because of the uh, of the holidays and they were in Thailand and different things. But again, I think I think the Sigerson has probably been kind to him. I think they were looking at a situation maybe if UCC had won that, you know, they would have been thinner on the ground and than they will be now, and they'll have the likes of Sean O'Shea and these guys available who he probably wasn't planning on having. And Kilian mm. um, and these guys. Yeah, yeah, you know, and they played Roscommon in a challenge game there couple maybe two weeks ago or, or less and um and performed really well and and they're looking fairly sprightly was was the word that was coming back out of the whole thing so well they don't have a lot done sometimes a break and you know these guys don't get out of you know they don't get into bad shape now the no. way you know it was maybe 10 years ago or whatever but now they're all fit they just they've been topped up i i think it's probably a more important game for Kerry to win if, if they're capable yeah. you know what i mean peter wants to get a win in dublin he wants to get a win in croke park against this opposition and put a seed of doubt into their heads early um and I, the value like you know we talk about that they haven't done much pre-season and you're probably heard the same thing as as i did mike about this holiday in thailand like it seems to have been and I, you know you'd know this a lot better than me how much that this can actually help like there was no team management actually went on the holiday. No team management whatsoever. I actually don't even think there was any from the county board went. And you'd say, oh my God. Kerry. Yeah. What, friend, what kind of debauchery was that? But anybody I've actually spoken to or heard or even was talking to the players, they actually thought that it was a fantastic bonding exercise and that for the first time kind of the older group kind of gelled really with the younger group and got to know them you know what I mean because you you had two very distinct groups there and now they're just everybody who came back from it kind of came back and the vibe seems to be that there's a great bit of a buzz in training so what you've lost in terms of preparation Mike you might actually be getting in terms of what they got in Thailand and that was probably their first kind of team holiday when was the when was the last All-Ireland final they were in 2016 so like for, 50, for, yeah. for those guys well yeah. yeah but I mean you have a couple of guys that would, would have been their first team holiday like you know that would have been David Clifford and those guys that was their first team holiday away yeah. with, with, with Kerry and stuff <laughs> no no team management or anybody That's that was probably a fun trip I'd imagine in Thailand that sounds like sounds like a nice spot so yeah. maybe yeah whatever they lost in running around in the pitch and corns they might have gained in the bars of Bali or wherever they were you know so yeah, um, away. yeah it's an interesting one but um what about Galway? What about Galway and under Parig Joyce now and John Divoli and these guys? That's going to be, you know, that's going to be an interesting project. I watched their game against Roscommon the last day and I didn't see any, you know, crazy differences in the way they're playing. But obviously it's very early in the day. But uh, how do you think that's going to, how do you think that's going to play out? Well, I'm actually looking forward to seeing how Galway work yeah. this year. Exactly, yeah. um, because I think they're a team that has... Um, massively underachieved this past couple of years and I don't think they worked well under Kevin um, I don't think the players put in a sufficient amount of workload under Kevin either um, and I know that maybe and maybe this is unfair to the Corfin boys like, but there wasn't enough representation of Corfin boys on that team and party will be doing, doing due to management obviously of Galway but party will be down to those players as well so I think I think um, I think this year will be an interesting year for Galway can they now improve and develop beyond last year and I think been slightly critical of Galway last year they had one kick out plan they had one defensive structure plan they had <coughs> limited options when they were coming to attack despite the vast options that they have really on the, on the field itself you know so I think they're a team that can significantly improve and mm-hmm. um, the question here is whether Park will get it from them or not and I suppose we've got to believe he will so they're an interesting team and they're, yeah. they're the most interesting team that's going to be here in Division 1 uh, and they're certainly under no pressure in relation to relegation or otherwise irrespective if they haven't changed their system at the minute but they will as the as the league develops they will improve mm-hmm. should improve at least on the park and certainly coming in the championship yeah I think 
I think uh, Parra kind of came out and said that he wants to play a bit more attacking football. I think yeah. he may, might have been critical of the la- of the I suppose the way they've been playing the last few years. And Park obviously was involved with the under twenties Galway team last year. Uh, we we played them and they played they played super football. I know it's kind of different with under twenty to senior, but um, he he came out saying he's going to be playing attacking football. So it's going to be interesting to see and if they can if they can replicate the way he used to play. I'm sure they're going to be an exciting team to watch. And I think they have all ingredients to challenge at the top level I think so they're going to be probably one team we can watch during the league just to see how they're going to come yeah. in the championship you know? like you'd imagine there'll definitely be a bounce in them you know yeah. like I, I think you're, you're saying like that, that Parag wants to play attacking football I think Galway people wanted you know they were ready for a change you know I, I think you're probably a little harsh on Kevin like Kevin definitely improved them early doors and, and made them you know, made them a little bit harder to beat, maybe while they weren't attractive to look at. Yeah, yeah. My issue with Galway isn't so much just Kevin; it's yeah. also the players. I don't yeah. think the players put enough into the previous years. Now, while obviously, well, I was part of the, the setup in Mayo; they did beat Mayo, obviously. But even with that, I don't think they put enough strength or weight behind what maybe what Kevin was doing, even if they didn't like it. You know. Yeah, and the Corrifin thing then was was like that. The paradox was was killing him almost the football that they were playing and how expensive that was, and that maybe hurt them as well. The fact that they were kind of getting to an all and final or getting deep into the provincials every year and probably you know it slowed them down getting back involved with the county squad, but that probably didn't help his case. But they're they're going to be a very interesting watch under them and. And the type of football they play, I think, like if if they do go out with that attacking approach, column, it's definitely something that the people of Galway are gonna are gonna get behind pretty quickly. I, I think as well, it's good to know, Mike, as well. And you were talking about the Sigerson and the fact, you know, of teams that are out and benefiting. Like John Divley obviously was with UCD, UCD and you know, out of the Sigerson. Like I know we've all heard, and John has sat around this table. He's been mentioned in respect of a lot of inter-county jobs himself. The fact that himself and Parik are actually business partners as well. Like you know, I think there will be a very strong dynamic there. I mean, in terms of the swapping between manager and coach, there won't be any difficulty because obviously the two of them are work together every day. And I'd agree with Mac. I actually think looking through Division One, there you'd be most intrigued to see. A, the type of football Galway play, and B, what kind of results it gets them, and whether they stick with it, Mac, then into the summer. Yeah, yeah and that, that's another thing. Obviously, some setbacks change the manager's yeah. approach, and certainly in the first year as a manager of an intercounty team, yeah. <laughs> as a manager, you, you, Michael here. Spoiler. Yeah, as first year manager of an intercounty team, you're not really sure. You, you either you back yourself fully and you stay in your own sword, or you bow the pressure and change. Like, you know, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes, you know. I agree. And, and Mayo, Mayo across just over the border from him, James Horn's second year, obviously. Um, like, again, probably disappointed with the way things panned out for him last year. Um, great to see Tom Parsons back. Like, amazing kind of resilience for him after a horrific injury I saw him playing very recently. And those guys, they're going to be another one. I think, you know, while you're talking about his first year back, James Horn, obviously, it was his first year last year. You'd expect them again to have a little bit, you know, better idea of the way he wants them doing things this year, as opposed to, you know, when he was just in the door last year. So they're they're another crowd that are going to be looking to make sure that they can try and get to that provincial final and, and go take something in in uh, in Connacht. Yeah, I think it was probably the league probably was more important last year, being James Horn's first year back, that the, they actually went and won the league. Actually, coming in here, I had to think back uh, who actually won the league last year because. I know you can read too much into these matches, but look, I don't think any of these teams' league is not going to be their number one um, aspirations this year. So I'm not sure are Mayo going, are you going to see them from the off going hammering tongs. I think they're going to be more focused on trying to peak come um, come kind of championship time. 
I just I, I, I noticed there just on our own notes um, from John Fogarty Mike the other day as well like presuming Matty Rowan is fit and good to go back in midfield and presuming you have Parsons just going back to our earlier debate and not wanting to reopen it like what does that mean for Aidan O'Shea where do you put him now and how much are you influenced by the mark and the effects that you can in other words is he now going to be an out and out 14 I'm not sure that his great strength is his ball winning over his head really now it doesn't have, obviously it doesn't have to be over your head but if you have if you have Matthew Wan who's a real athlete and, and, and can get up and down the field and is a good ball player and if Tom Parsons can like it's still a long way for him to get back to the level that he was at you know pre-injury and, and you'd hope obviously that, that he could um, but if he does that's, that's a great luxury for them to have mm-hmm. and if you have a situation where you can put Aidan O'Shea somewhere else now he was effective in the middle of the field last year but if you can put him in 14 or play him as a kind of a false 11 or something and and get him on ball from that 30 yards out to where you were talking about Conor McManus you know he's a he's a big unit with good hands but he you know winning winning ball over his head isn't his strength so that's why he never really goes and captures massive ball in the middle of the field but it's a great luxury for James Horner to use it's gas that we're actually I'm going to say this like but would you think it's fair to say Mike and you're in the mix in this one obviously that division two and division three is where the real cut and thrust is going to be of the league this year obviously for anybody who's kind of scratching their head and saying, what is he talking about? No, obviously the fact that if if a team is relegated from Division 2 this year, they end up outside Tier 1 in the Championship. And obviously for Division 3, and that's why there's been all the talk of Cork, obviously they need to come up from Division 3 to be playing Tier 1 or else they need to be Kerry on May 24th. Let me turn the tables on you just for a second and ask you as a Division 2 manager... How much of of that is actually up here at the minute in terms of secure Division Two is number one priority? Yeah, it is. Of course, it is. Yeah, but it's not really. It's not really in in your thoughts at all because you're like all your like we're obviously playing Roscommon this weekend, and and realistically, that's all you're trying to focus on, and you're trying to get your own guys as right as you can and have a look at them and see what they do. And anything outside of this week is is not really in your thinking. Obviously, in your longer term, you're saying, look, this is the goal and we got to try and keep that status. But look, I, I think Division 2 and Division 3, but Division 2 is, a, is one of the ones that you're going to go into the last day of the season, last game, and I think you're going to have a couple of teams in the mix for promotion and you're going to have a couple of teams in the mix for relegation. Mm-hmm. I think that's how close it is. Between a lot of the, I think a lot of those teams are going to beat each other along the way and you're going to take points off each other. And it will be one of those divisions where points difference in the end is probably going to separate you know, maybe a couple of teams. It, it might be, Mike, but I think the, the important point here is a good start. Like the team that wins first week out in the league gets, rarely, gets, rarely gets relegated. You know, so hence the pressure will be unleashed and Amman and whoever else w- wants to stay up in Division 2 to actually win this weekend. So this weekend is actually very important and yet they're coming in with injuries and not having much football behind them and maybe new management across the board as well, you know. And I just see there in week two, Mike, Eve Armagh in Port Leash. Yeah, handy start, yeah. Yeah, handy start, in fairness. And Cavan in your third game. Yeah, so like, one. look, they're all, they're all tough games. Like, I mean, when you're, when you're like, realistically, we're playing Roscommon. Roscommon were a Super 8 team last year, they're kind of champions. Uh, and like at 12 months ago, Leash were in Division Three, so it's, that's a massive, that's a massive jump. And 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 we're sure we know obviously how good they are. But look, you're not, you, you can't go into Division with an inferiority complex. You got to go out and try and play and 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 use the guys that you have to the best of their ability. And it's just interesting. One of the big things I found in that division, 
uh, more so than Division One, uh, has been the amount of guys who have kind of opted away from yeah. from the intercounty game. Um, like there was a big, you know, the big talk about about um, Kyle McShane and Tyrone and he was going, and you know, Mickey Hart was, was saying, you know, and it was the same in Kerry when Mark O'Connor left, probably less so because. Mark hadn't really established, he hadn't played senior inter-county football, whereas Colin McShane is an all-star. Mm. And it's probably the first one that we've really seen at that level to say, I'm going to Australia. And and there's a big kind of fraud. But I, I think the bigger issue, lads, is the amount of guys at senior inter-county level are saying, it's not for me right now, I'm taking a break, I want to I want to walk away. And not to be criticising those fellas, if guys say, listen, I want to go travelling or I want to concentrate on my work or I want to concentrate on my family, I want to do other things, that's absolutely your own decision to do it. But in... As an organisation, we're probably failing those guys if they have to go and make that decision that they can't still work a job, look after their family and be an inter-county footballer. Mm. Then then there's a bigger problem than one guy or top of the tree going to play Australian rules football, I think. And, and that's the one that we're not really talking about as much. And it's the one I would like, love to see addressed a little bit more. And the solutions is it's tough to come by. But and You have solutions? No, no. That's what, I'm, that's what you're here for. <laughs> I am... Um yeah, just going back to the earlier point, I think similar to last year, like Division 2 was probably the most interesting division and, and competitive last year because I think a lot of the teams in that division are around this, at, at the same level and on any given day, any team could be next team, whether home or away. So, And as, as Tony said, the, the importance of staying up in Division 2 and getting promoted from Division 3 is going to be vital this year. Um, in terms of a lot of players walking away, I actually... I can't see the reason why. I don't know. Is it a societal thing? Is playing for your county number one in this current, say, 18, 19, 20 years, is it the be all and end all? I don't know. In this day and age, I don't know. Are teams training more? I just think back to when I was playing maybe five or six years ago. Like I think we are probably doing as much as they're doing today. I don't think they're doing more. I don't know. Is it just the mindset of, of people now that... I said, geez, is it number one? I know for, I can only speak on behalf of myself, like the be all and end all was playing for your county. I don't know. No, is is that as important to the people in this current day and age? No, I don't. And why do I? Which I'm with you, Mike. I, I I don't think that this is a one of these coincidental straws in the wind that you can just blow off. Like, I mean, there's been too many players mm-hmm. now over the last number of months has just said, you know what, I'm. And but I think what it does. And it's interesting, Cullum, to hear you saying you reckon you were doing the same five or six years ago because there definitely has been a societal shift um, from young lads in that age bracket that you're talking about who are just saying, oh, you know what, this is too much. This is too much for me. This is too pressures. This is demanding too much of my time. This is dominating too much of my prime masculine 18 to 25 year old years and you know what I'm just not prepared to do it I, I just need to get out I mean I, my own young fella is 22 like and you know he, he seems to be bursting every second night there's a conversation of I'm going to California I'm going to Melbourne I'm getting out of here <laughs> you know and I'm kind of going is, is, is Cork really that bad yeah. but it's 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 the attitude of there's I, I feel like and this is probably a, 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 I've no I've no statistical evidence to say this but I feel that some players, these lads, the, the vibe you're getting from them is they almost feel imprisoned by being an intercounty footballer or a, or a hurler. That they're so it's so demanding, and I do think but, but, but you're getting a drip, drip. No, is it the stuff beyond the field, Tony? Is it is it the, yeah. is it the measuring the energy index or yes. the sleep control or the food throughout the entire day? Like, is it is that the issue that there's no release? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I was talking to an intercounty player over Christmas, 
And he basically said to me, like, I was saying, how many days a week you train? You know, at this time of the year. And he said, like, it's not, it's not a question of that. It's a seven-day-a-week gig. Yeah. Like, you know, you know yourself. You've done this, Mike. I mean, it's so basically on your down days. I mean, yeah, you're watching your intake. You're watching your, you know, you're watching how many liters of water you're getting in. You know, you're talking about all that kind of stuff. It's a seven-day-a-week full-on. And this was in January. This was, sorry, at the end of December. You know, this is actually where it's supposed to be at the quiet time of the year. Yeah, yeah, and, and like, and then I will say for, you know, and I don't want to be talking about Leash, but there's like Ross Munley is 37 years of age um, and like, again, would get up in the morning and the first thing he could do is just think about how he can make himself better to still play football. You know, John O'Loughlin, Mark Timmins, Colin Begley, all guys that are, that are gone past that 30-year-old mark but still have an amazing energy and enthusiasm for keeping playing the game you know uh, but it's just that maybe I, I like I, I think there's part of it is obviously yeah there has been a shift but also there's a there's a shift in a lot of teams now because they kind of say okay is there a realistic path here for me to win something in the championship like can I yeah. can I win a provincial title can I possibly compete for an All-Ireland and realistically outside of maybe what are we talking as maybe four teams give it five teams Everybody else, really, the National League is your greatest chance to, to win something meaningful yeah. or, or to be competitive meaningfully, you know? And a lot of them, now I could be wrong here, but the majority of them players stepping away are not players from the top teams who have yeah. a realistic, yes. they think, right, I have something to strive for here. A lot of, as I say, are the, I'm not called, they're called the so called maybe Division 2, 3, 4 teams where they say, what I ha- what have I to play for here? You know, is it worth it? Like, that's a key point. That's like, how, how many have Kerry or Dublin or or Mayo? How how many yeah. guys have have opted out of that? You know, very very few, well, if any. But even the one who did, Mike, and I was talking to myself before Christmas, um, our lad from South Kerry, Mark yeah, Griffin. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the day the day that I actually spoke to Mark on the phone, even though it was with a top tier county, it was all those reasons. It was all the reasons about minutes, given what he was putting in apropos the minutes he was actually getting in terms of the reward he was just getting to a point where he actually felt this isn't worth it this is not worth it at this stage I'm 27 28 I should be in my peak I'm doing everything as as much as the rest of the guys and I'm getting I think he got 30 seconds in the All-Ireland final replay yeah Yeah, but where's this where's this been driven from is this just the professional attitude that we're trying to bring through it is it the different sports thing is it us trying to be better it doesn't have to be like this surely Mike, like this isn't the way it needs to be, is it? Well, it shouldn't I, I wouldn't imagine so. Like it's not, it's not the way you want it to go. But w- when you see the likes of Gary Brennan, like Gary Brennan is one of the best footballers we have in the country, mm. and he's and he's still in his prime, and he's saying, no, I I want to, you know, I want to go travelling. And again, this isn't to say, oh, Gary Brennan shouldn't be going travelling. Gary Brennan can do whatever he wants, and he's and he's we have no say what he wants to do, with it, and there's no problem. But you'd love you'd love a situation that the GAA and the national leagues and the and the championship. Is is put in such a way that it's more appealing to these guys that you can still play into county football, and then you know what you can do? You can go travelling then for the next six months, or you can go away and you can get off the grid and do whatever you want. But at the moment, it just seems like, like you were saying, it's a seven day gig, twelve months of the year, mm-hmm. and and it's a little bit claustrophobic for some guys who want to do other stuff. But didn't we have the chance to do that and restructuring the format and the report that came out was effectively keep the status quo, no real change to it. All the competitions are remaining everything else is pretty much the same thing and we're going to put it into one year like it, we, ha- we have we had these opportunities we just don't have somebody strong enough to try and force them through so what's your suggestion well it's, it's clear the suggestion is that the county t- the county season needs to be dramatically cut to mm-hmm. allow other seasons to take place and particularly to have a break of some description 
like with this idea of having a county season running from January, early January, start of February, right through till September, October, like it's 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 it just doesn't work for the same players that are now under pressure with Sigerson and under yeah. pressure with under twenties, and then have a long club season as well. It's just not working. Right? I get, uh, like we we were the official date for teams that did not make the Super Eights to start training was the that you could start back training was the 15th of November we started back the 15th of November you know there was no not, not that we were back on this like, I got a phone call in the middle of uh, late October to know from, from an inter-county manager to know would we play a challenge game that weekend the following weekend in October I said we haven't even started training <laughs> and if they were playing a challenge game at the end of October they'd obviously been training yeah. but a couple of weeks before that um, and that's you know that's the problem then as well obviously like then if you're training through October if you've been knocked out in June or whatever and, you're, and now you're starting in October for your first game in the end of of, of January mm. you know then then it's it's like a, an 11 month gig you know and it, it's just and I still would argue Mike and I know this is a, an old one and I apologise for that like, but I still think that the, we're front ending the quality I really think we're front ending yeah. the quality I think that the best of it is going to be over the next 8 weeks you're going to have the Division 1 teams literally week on week on week. Kerry are playing Dublin the first day out. Then they've Galway the next day out. I forget who they actually have even the third day out. I think it's Tyrone the third and then Mead the fourth, Mayo, Mont. Like they're all great games. They're all great games. And yeah. every county's in that position. And even if we go and we're going to chat now about Division 2, 3 and 4... Whatever way, whatever way the league seems to be constructed this year, you've just discussed Division 2. You literally, as Mike said, you could pick six names out of a hat there and you don't know which way that they're going to finish up. Yeah. And Division 3, I really do think that the fact that Cork are dro- have dropped to Division 3 adds a real bit of intrigue and excitement. I mean, it's been said, and unfortunately it's been rammed on Ronan McCarthy's. Every time Ronan McCarthy steps up in front of a microphone the last three months, some fella says to him, this is the most important league campaign in yeah. court football's history. <laughs> of all time. Of yeah, all yeah, time. Yeah. Like, and you're kind of, but you know what? It is. Cullum, isn't it? I mean, in fairness, in terms of what it means if they don't finish in the top two. Absolutely, yeah. Um, look, obviously, going, going down to Division 3 wasn't a uh, part of the plan last year, but... Similar, I think that it was by points difference of score difference they got relegated. Just to show us again how division how competitive division two was last yeah. year. But yeah, um I think Ronan and the management team would have probably looked at these fixtures when they came out first day and I suppose their priority now is to try and get Cork um promote division two because look, I suppose a county the size of Cork and tradition that they they won't want to be playing in the second no. tier division. And that's gonna start as as Tony Lez said earlier on, like the first game is huge and they have awfully at home now Saturday night so um, Ron and Les are going to be sure they're, 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 they're the outstanding team by a sight in Division 3 like this this is oh. for any division here this is a walkover for Cork in yeah. all honesty like, you know. and, and, and what happened then when you actually saw the McGrath Cup final and you saw what happened that night above in Limerick I mean was that a good thing actually for Cork or was that a, an, a serious alarm call Mike what did you see when you heard that result no I watched it actually. Yeah, I watched it on. It was stream. We streamed, streamed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was. A, I thought it was the best possible result that could could have happened really? for Cork. Yeah, because I, I saw the game obviously below against the Kerry under twenty kind yeah, of that there, kind of yeah, team yeah. in the, the McGrath Cup, and they were just awesome. Like they looked unbelievable. And you're saying this team are going to be competing the mind division three. These guys are going to be like they'll Super give eights. Kerry a right go in, yeah. in the semi final, and and you wouldn't bet either way of of the monster and in Super Eights. They they're you know they're very competitive. 
And then you see the game above against Limerick. And Limerick, to their credit, were really, really good now on the same night and kicked unbelievable scores. But if, you, if you're if you Ronan McCarthy and you're looking at that and you're saying, you know what, no, lads, we can we can live without the McGrath Cup. Yeah. But like this really focuses these guys for going up here. I mean, they're playing like Leitrim in their second game down, Tipperary, Derry, Loud. Like they, they should be looking to, to run the table there because of the quality they have. And... and Anything other than getting out would be very disappointing, obviously. Tony McEntee, Cullum, there says like Cork are going to be runaway winners of Division 3. Like Division 3 is over after they play Derry because they're already beaten down and Derry, that's it. I hope so, I hope so, Tony. But yeah, similar to last year, I know, I think Cork actually Division 2 drew their first game last year um, and it goes back to like getting off to a good start. And I think if they get, I think if they win Saturday night, like it'll take some of the pressure off. Like there is pressure, like there's pressure in every division, but there's extra pressure in division two. And I think um, if they can if they can win Saturday night, they might open up the shores for lads. Now, having said that, um, I just see during the week there, a few of their key lads have been injured. Um, Brian Hurley's out injury. Mark Collins is injured. Obviously, Paul Kerrigan, Nemo lads, Luke are, are out. So there's still a <laughs> there's still a lot of fellas making their championship debut at the same time and. Um, so but those under twenties though are very exciting column well, to be yeah, fair now. Yeah. So you've Pottering Connor back, um you've Brian Hartnett, wing forward, and obviously you've Kyle Manny and Damien Gore, um Connor and Full, I think, and I think there's two other lads, Colm O'Callaghan and Sean Meehan on the bench. Um but very deserving of, of their place on the panel and on the team and very good lads, haven't worked with them last year, like excellent attitude. Like we had a super bunch working last year and yeah. As you say, it's going to be difficult. We knew that it's going to take last time to step up. We knew, obviously, seven or eight weren't going to come straight on, but I think probably one to watch out is uh, Paul Ring. Mm-hmm. I was talking to, to Tony earlier on about Paul, a tigerish, old-school style uh, cornerback. You won't get much change out of him at cornerback. So it'll be a great opportunity for them lads to develop um, and get a few runs out in, in Division 3 um, against the, the different teams um, travelling away so there's a bit of, there's a learning curve for some of the players and hopefully the injuries for the more senior lads they can come back in near the middle of the league and the, the latter stages of the league but um, as I say huge pressure on Cork to, to come up so hopefully they can do the business with a, with a win Saturday night Who's likely Tony to be kind of uh, competing with them for to get up there for Division 3 final and, and get out of that division Derry so I, I think I think I think it's between them and between Cork and Derry. I think Down's carrying a lot of injuries. They've obviously Keelan Mooney recently hurt, so he, I'm not sure when at what stage he's going to be back playing football. Um, so why I, I Derry? Think, why, why are Derry jumping out at you? Why Derry? Yeah. I, think, I think Derry are actually have enough talent. They've a, they've a physically mobile and athletic outfit, um, and I, I do think that uh, if you look at Rory Gallagher and his success in Fermanagh, like Rory Gallagher nearly took Fermanagh to Division One last year. Mm-hmm. And that's a Fermanagh team. Or sorry, two years ago, that was a Fermanagh team that's actually a very limited Fermanagh team with a very limited forward division. So whatever Rory will do, he'll have a he'll have a, a structured outfit. They'll be well disciplined. They'll stick to the plan of some description. And and, and what he'll end up doing is he will bring a, a dairy team, which is like middle of the road dairy team, to be competitive. You mightn't like a lot of what you see on it, but he he'll have them a very competitive outfit, and you know that'll bring a level of success. And if they can, if they can mer- merge that with their natural flair and ability, then they're certainly a team that's on the way up, mm-hmm. um, and they'll, they'll push ahead. Hopefully, of most of them other teams. I, and again, we were just talking to Ronan the other night, Mac. I think consistency and attitude will be Cork's biggest challenges because 
let's face it, every game is going to be a dogfight for Cork. Like Cork are the mark in this division. Cork yeah. are the hunted. Cork are the, yeah. the one. Like So you can imagine now in week two above in Carrick and Shannon. And Leitrim welcoming Cork to Carrick and Shannon saying, I'd say no, you boys haven't been here too often. <laughs> I tell you, we're going to give you a right warm welcome. And if, if the players, if the group aren't mentally up for that, then you're going to be embarrassed and you're going to be turned over. And there is enough. You look about, you look through them. I mean, Tony Mac, you, like, you talk about Loud. Like Longford obviously winning last weekend. Like obviously are in a small bit of a role. Yep. I know that um, Keane O'Neill actually was up watching that O'Born Cup final. And, you know, I was talking to someone who was who was chatting to him afterwards and he said, like, awfully have some very lively forwards. So, like, could cause problems if Cork weren't at it. I genuinely think you're right. If it was purely down to numbers, ability, depth of squad, no problem. But, like, Colin O'Neill knows way better than me or any of us. Like, it's just that you never really knew on a given week what you were going to get from Cork. And Ronan said, like, consistency is the key for them. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it is, of course, absolutely. But you're infusing that Cork team with a couple of really, really good under-20 players mm-hmm. who are coming off a great season, winning in All-Ireland, like, and, and really cutting-edge forwards as well, like guys who, who are just really good finishers. And I, I think that kind of stuff, like you're talking about going up to Carrick and Shannon, that's the kind of stuff that can make a team, you know, going in there as young guys, going into a place that they've never been before, hugely excited by the opportunity to play with Cork and to get out there and get a couple of wins, fall over the line by a couple of points here and there, coming down the road, and, and it's the best thing that could you, you, know, you could ever do. And if Keenan Neal back and forth from this year as well, helping coaching in a role that he's probably best at, you yeah. know, and probably more focused at, and, and, and maybe all those things together. Listen, this is, we're looking at this and thinking that Cork are going to struggle in Division 3, then, you know, Cork have more problems than we see at the minute. Yeah. Cork are not going to struggle in Division 3. They're going to push right through this. They're going to be a serious contender for all Ireland if, if they get a few things sorted out in it. So, so I think, I think you know, we're trying to look for a story in Cork. There is no story in Cork here. Like this, <laughs> this is this is straightforward. Don't I? Yeah, no, I know. Like, they should get out of the division, but but no, it won't no, be no, without no. without stumble. Yeah, like Donor, Donor team. Like, I think could be probably dark hours in that in that division. Um, great manager and Paddy Telly. Obviously, the they always play a super brand of football, and you'll have a few of Kilkoolas. I'm not sure when they'll be back. So, I think Cork actually have down at home which is probably yeah. a help in that scenario but I think they could be ones to watch out for as well they'll probably be going in for promotion as well mm. Tony you, you mentioned the McGrath Cup final obviously and Limerick and Billy Lee getting that win like how, how do you see their, their campaign going in, in Division 4 like that like Billy Lee was very quick to say immediately after that game you know this is great and we're delighted to win the, the, the McGrath Cup but Realistically, it's all about the league for us and getting yeah. out of well, the Billy league. Well, Billy Lee, actually, funny, uh, he's a real football evangelist. He reminds me a small bit of Cullum Collins in Clare. And it's a tough gig for Billy Lee up above in Limerick. And so there was a, p- a part of me um, when I saw that result, it was kind of smiling and kind of saying, like, what a great night for Billy Lee. And it yeah. might only be in the McGrath Cup. But funny enough, I actually was talking to a buddy of mine up in UL I'd say a week or two before and he just threw this name Danny Neville out at me and yeah. I was, was kind of like well, who's Danny Neville like well I tell you one thing you know there's a lot of fellas know who Danny yeah. Neville is uh, the night he, uh, he played at 14 the night against Cork I think he was Aidan Brown he was on Cullum wasn't it in the market yeah I think he was and he caused a world yeah. of trouble so like in Division 4 like Division 4 I mean you know people are saying ah, Division 4 like, but even there like it's A it's a dog fight but B, 
you've all sorts of little nuggets and little elements. I mean, Paul Galvin, like, you know, down in Wexford, uh, you know, and he's had his own bit of headlines already. And what is that about? I, I have to say, a, a new, ma- new manager goes in, looks around, doesn't necessarily like what he sees, cleans house a small bit and drives on, and suddenly it's a massive controversy. Like, like, did it, like, so why, why were you going to bring in a Paul Galvin if you just wanted to maintain the status quo? Of course he's going to shake things up. Of course he's going to try something different. Like, they're in Division 4. There's only one way to go, so he's got to actually try something different, you know? Yeah, you're staring at this, Mike, are you? Look, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, look, I, I, think, I think a lot of that was made of, of not very much. Like, there was, you know... A couple of guys were, were cut from the panel and a couple of other fellas says, I don't like what you did, so I'm going to go as well. Fair enough, lads. Thank, thanks very much. You know, yeah. But it, it clearly it wasn't working before and the guy's trying to do... I haven't a clue what he's doing, but uh, it just seemed to be the whole thing was blown up because it was probably Paul Galvin. You know what I mean? If, yeah. it, was, if it was somebody else, it mightn't quite have been the, the big story that it turned into. Division Force, I think, funny enough, because two years ago, Loud never won a match. Last year, they get promoted. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So there's an awful lot of swings can happen in that... And I think I think the swings we're likely to see this year is I I would like to see Antrim have more than what the like Antrim are a team that should be competing for promotion out of Division Four. Limerick should not be in Division Four. Like they're more than capable of being being out of Division Four. And I think I think this year, having not won a game last year, Sligo now will turn out and be slightly more competitive than they were before. Like and I think they can do because a lot of these teams they're well capable of beating. You know, so Sligo should be running up there. Certainly, third or fourth in that division if they get the thing together. Just well, actually, Mike, I forgot to ask you one county that slipped by uh, in Division Two is Kildare, mm-hmm. um, and that's going to be an intrigue as well because, like, obviously Jack's first job yeah. outside of Kerry, you know, and I'm actually very interested in that because you played under Jack, you know, he had a very, very uh, successful period as Kerry manager, and then when he was appointed, Tony, as the under-20 manager, everybody was like, oh, what a great appointment, did, eh? and it just did, it just collapsed, like, they didn't win anything, lost a bad, was it an All-Ireland semi-final to Kildare, mm-hmm. really, you know, like, and so he's back now, obviously, into a Kildare setup that, you know, maybe has lost a couple of players, is in transition, obviously, Key and I was out of it, you're going to be playing them, and probably the pressure, would you say, is probably on them in terms of there would be an expectation of promotion. I would imagine so. Yeah, you know, they're they're that's that's the way Jack wouldn't have gone in there with the idea of staying in Division Two. They want to he wants to get them back up as as high as they can, obviously. And look, Daniel Flynn coming back into the mix yeah. for him is a big thing. You know, he's 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 one of those guys that's a real game changer, and and to have him back and firing. You know, it's you know, kicking yeah. ball into that guy, winning ball. Mark or no Mark, I saw him blow in Tralee a couple of years ago and he absolutely tortured the carry defence yeah. all night from play and from everything. And uh, and like, yeah, Jack will be absolutely delighted to get that guy back into the mix. But it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be very interesting for him because, you know, themselves and Ross Garman and a couple, they'll, you know, there's probably a couple of three teams there maybe that really fancy themselves to get the two spots to get out of the division and, and Kildare are definitely one of those. Yeah. And Jack, you'd have to say, would be the type of guy, you've got Daniel Flynn back and it would be very interesting to see how he works with young Jimmy Hyland because that Jimmy Hyland a couple of years ago yeah, looked like one of the most footballer. sensational young footballers in the country and then he came in last year and his first year as senior, maybe it was a physical thing, didn't really happen for him. But you'd imagine, Mac, like if he's playing off of Daniel Flynn, like he could, you know, this could be twenty twenty could kind of be Highland's breakthrough year. You know, he's just he's just one of those players 
that you'd like to, you know, keep an eye on? Is there any more of those guys you name, check Paul Ring from Ahabullog, like Jimmy Hyland, anybody up around Armagh, even Mac, that we should be, not Rain O'Neill is obviously there a bit now at this stage, but, you know, lads from Cork, Kerry, Dublin, anything like that, any, any little names or nuggets we should be keeping an eye out for? I mean, there's nobody outside Kerry, Mike, will know um, Paddy Clifford, for instance, no. and I'm be very interested to see how much game time he gets like he's kind of one of these deep lying aggressive centre forwards very direct do you think Mike is he is he at that level I'm not sure I'm not sure to be honest I, I, I don't even know to be honest Tony who's in there with them at the moment you know but he was a guy obviously that was brought in initially um, and he has he has potential obviously you know he's like a he's like a, De- a Declan O'Sullivan light in terms of his ball carrying he can you know he's a really good ball carrier uh, he's a he's a good kick passer. I'm not, not it wouldn't be quite at, at at the level that you know maybe that senior at the county level yet. Uh, and it'll be just really hurt by the fact that you know the Sigerson results have gone the way they have, and maybe Kerry don't have as much injury problems as maybe they could have in other years. And he may not get a huge amount of opportunities. It remains to be seen. But uh, there's a few of those guys obviously you know that did very well in the county championship. But he was probably the biggest you know beneficial yeah. or beneficiary from East Kerry winning the county championship. Blown Kerry, you know. He is, yeah, yeah, back in there, and it'll be interesting to see him. Like this is his second year now, and and, and he would have played in the middle of the field, I think, in, in one of those challenge games, and did very well. So. The year's conditioning and and being around the whole thing might might bring him on a little bit, and he's another kind of a wild card that might jump out at you. I think um, one for in division division one is um, Peter Canavan's um, young lad Dara Canavan. I seen him first time this year with Tyrone in the twenties. An absolutely unbelievable player. Um, small, stocky, skillful, intelligent. Can is well able to mix it up as well, and I think what he probably lacks in, in, in height he definitely has all the attributes to be a, a top quality player reminds me a small bit like um, when Dom were going well it's Mark Poland kind of very skillful jinky kind of character I think if he can get a bit of game time in Division 1 I think he's probably one to watch out for Anybody else Tone? No not not to mind to be honest with you like, but some of these players will come through and I think I think the key to good inter-county management is allowing these people time to develop and giving them that opportunity to come in, give them some minutes and develop them maybe a wee bit. Similar to maybe what Marino may or may not be doing with Tri Part or something like that. Yeah. You know, it's about, it's about just giving them time and giving them a chance and being happy that they don't perform on a day and building it through. You know, because it's a long way from eighteen, nineteen. Like we're not all Sean O'Shea and, and David Clifford. You know. Yeah, and and there isn't too many guys physically even at that at that level come out of under twenty or or whatever and, and jump straight into that. Uh, we'll we'll wrap it up, I suppose, in a minute. But just give me, I I, I want you to give me your your uh, who's your likely winner in each division running down through the top. So give me your give me your division one. I'll start with you, Tony. Uh, who's who's your pick out of division one to start this? So division one, Donegal. Division two. Division two. I'm going to go for um, Kildare in division two. Division three is a runaway at Cork, and Division four in this case, um, um, I'm going to go with Limerick in Division four. Limerick, can I just see Billy Lee there is in his seventh, you know, his seventh year, uh, or sorry, sorry, seventh fourth year, sorry, like, and and they were finished seventh last year. So I mean, that would be a big jump for him, obviously, to come from second last in the division yeah. to, to to jump out of there. Colin, what about yourself, man? What are you thinking out of Division one? I'm going to go outside. I'm going to go with Galway Division one. Galway are definitely going to be an interesting one, man, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how they go. Um, two. Division two, I'm going to go with Leash. <laughs> <laughs> no, Division two, if I put money on it, I'm going to say Armagh. Armagh, yeah. Um, home vote in Division three, Cork. 
and are I, you are you as confident as a as a, a runaway as Tony's talking about? Um, not so much a runaway. I'd be very hopeful. Um, but look, let's let's be fair. Um, if Cork have any ambitions or if they want to follow up on the kind of progress they, they made out. last year, like there's no point saying that being competitive is going to be good enough. Like simple as you're just going yeah. to have to get out. I, I suppose just to give Amar a minute there is that Amar are coming into this league now um, with good form off the back of last year, but they are coming in with injuries and problems. So. If we don't get that really good start in the first couple of games, and I, and I include beating Leash away at home, then we won't actually get we won't actually get to that stage. And and it's the first two or three games that are crucial it's for our like first as I said, games, of, yeah. of the first of a good yeah. start is vital in this yeah. league. And we went, through, we went through the league last year having three and four point cushions coming in the last couple of minutes and lost those and up with draws and, and defeats and, and they were sort of tough tough results for us. So I think this year if we get the good start and we get moving early, when we're certainly at contention um, for promotion there. Yeah. Uh, did you give us our four Division Four? Division Four, I'm going to go with Carlo. Um, I think they were relegated last year from Division Three, which is probably yeah. after an unbelievable year before that. So I think they're probably good enough to to get out of Division Four with the, with the experience that they have from being in Division Three for the last two years. Very good. We'll have to revisit those later in the year and see how how the boys get on. Yeah, put them on a post to there on the wall. No, I, I don't. I don't get a vote, man. No, I'm, we let you. We let you out of division too. too. Yeah. Uh, so look, we're going to wrap it up there for today, and and. Um, Thanks very much, everybody, for listening. And again, you can tune in every every Monday on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Irish Examiner uh, forward slash podcast. Um, thanks again and talk to you soon. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.